passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. And we are live. Welcome, everybody, to the Cafe Hangout. No music this week, um, but you can imagine what that beautiful theme song sounds like way your words are music to my ears every single week uh we've got a very packed show today on the cafe hangout so thank you to all of you tuning in live over the next hour we'll be looking ahead at uh 5, big shows that are going down this weekend we'll also be joined by mlw ceo court bauer he's going to chat about mlw's first pay-per-view that they have announced coming up in november at cicero stadium just outside of chicago and all the stuff that went down this past weekend at their card in the same location so that is all coming your way uh but off the top looking forward to having uh, these two on i think everybody listening to this show probably is familiar with the wrestling arcade phenomenon that you can follow at wrestling arcade the man behind that Brandon Doherty is working with Rob Naylor, who together they have launched a, uh, a campaign where they are going to be putting together a book project called Pro Wrestling's Greatest Moments Book, A Pixelated Guide. And it's a pleasure to welcome both Brendan, all the way from the UK, along with Rob to the show. Uh, guys, thank you so much for joining the Cafe Hangout. We have defeated technology today and overcome a Twitter outage to bring this interview to everybody. Hello, how are you doing? It's it's great to have you guys on. Uh, for those that might be listening to this later, uh, we have gone through the phenomenon of Twitter being down for 15 minutes, and it has wreaked havoc in our lives. Way, jeez, it's like oh my god, yeah, it's like not having water at this point. Oh, how are you guys coping? Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm quite I'm thrilled about it as we speak over each other here. I, I'm really <laughs> good with it. I I think Twitter should be down at least once a day. I'm a, I, I took a big stretch. I took a little bit of a walk here in the vegetation of Pennsylvania. It's fantastic. I think really appropriate. Well, that... Could you could you imagine if Twitter went down? My account would be like zero. Well, that's... I need Twitter. I need Twitter. Well, that's what I mean. I think really appropriate that we have uh, the both of you on uh, while Twitter, I guess, is a topic of a conversation because I think uh, in in professional wrestling Twitter, I would say, Brendan, your wrestling arcade account has been, I think, a very notable project that, you know, seems to have been grown yeah. from out of nowhere. Um, before we yeah, kind, of, yeah. kind of get into the book, can you just talk a bit, a bit about maybe your background and why you decided to start the, the account? Um, I think I just... Um... I just wanted to have a bit of fun. Um, 
I mean, I, I, I guess you'll you'll notice that like sometimes Twitter is not the most healthiest place on the, in the world, and it's a bit negative. And I just wanted to have a bit of fun with it. And I love like old school graphics. I love I love my VHS. I love my uh, graphic design, video editing, and all that. And it's just sort of trying to put together um, just videos to make me smile. To be honest, videos to make me laugh. And I know that like there's a lot of people out there that get into the same stuff as me. So it's just for that really. Rob, can you share kind of when uh, uh, Brendan first came on onto your radar and how you guys uh, first linked up and now working on this project together? Okay, so I first saw Wrestling Arcade probably a couple years back with the uh, Janela stuff, right? With the Joey Janela shows in WrestleMania weekend. And what I love about Brendan and Wrestling Arcade, and I didn't even know his name when we agreed to do this, so it's amazing. <laughs> I didn't what know I Brendan's love. name up until a couple of days ago when I just knew we had we had Wrestling Arcade on our show and I was very excited about it. And you should I legally change your name to Wrestling Arcade. I, I think, think I think so. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's he's branded himself so well with Wrestling Arcade on Twitter as we noted. But what I loved about it and why I immediately said yes as soon as he asked if I would help with writing the book. I love his positive presence. Uh, he doesn't fight with people. He doesn't give his two cents. He, he's just a positive influence on Twitter. And those are kind of going the way the dinosaur, it seems, by the day. Uh, I try to be. I've had my moments in the past. But really, I use Twitter as something to help me further enjoy the hobby. Maybe not nitpick and, and complain and bellyache and uh, kvetch about everything happening. I think wrestling is one of the best things in the world. And... Uh, if I could put out magazine photos or GIFs or clips or, you know, any kind of factoids, you know, that people might enjoy, that's great. And I'd love to just couple it with uh, what Brendan's doing right here because I think he's an incredibly talented person and I love what he does. And he's a, a fun guy, too, and getting to know him, too. So uh, it, it did not take much arm twisting for me to completely jump toward this project. How nice is that? Thank you very much. Hey, no problem, buddy. Brendan, I'm, I'm curious that, you know, after working and, and seeing your work now, uh, you know, through through the through being the elite and with Joey Janela, are you getting yeah. a lot of requests from uh, whether it be wrestlers, promotions out there that are, are looking for interesting ways to, to market themselves and, and their companies? I have to imagine that there's quite a lot of requests that have come your way. Yeah, there has been. Yeah, especially since the Joey Janela um, video went out, which was that PCO. And Walter, that video for like Spring Break 2, it, it all kicked off from there, really. So, like, big thanks to Joey and everyone for doing that. But yeah, I got a lot of requests after that. But the problem is, they take so long. Like, I'll do them for me because it's like, it's worth it for me. Um, because, you know, some of them will take like 10 hours for literally like 10 seconds. So, I have to really be into it for me to actually sit there and do it and, and hold a full time job as well. Um, so I have to turn a lot down because they're expensive as well. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just because they take so long. But yeah, it's it's been good. I've had a lot of offices, but I've just had to turn a lot down as well. So that's yeah, it's it's, it's a bit of a pain. But you don't want it to get stale. Do you know what I mean? You see them all over the place. Um, so I have to be quite selective with what I do because I want it to have legs. You know what I mean? I don't want to burn out too quick. I know you focus a lot, obviously, like the, uh, the nostalgia comp component is very high, but just, uh, you yeah. know, seeing from yourself of what gets the larger responses, like, is it specific eras? Is it like heavy on, you know, mid eighties WWF? Like when you put out something like is, are there certain eras that, or characters even that kind of jump out and are ones that get higher response rates 
than others from people that just get circulated more. Oh, I think we might have lost uh, 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 Brendan due to technology. But I, uh, Rob, are you still there? Oh, you know I am. Well, I shouldn't have proclaimed our victory over technology <laughs> so quickly. I think that's uh, the Earth way of just e evening things out. But uh, we will venture to reconnect with uh, with Brendan momentarily. But uh, speaking with you, Rob, uh, tell me a bit about how this project was uh, presented to you uh, from Brendan and kind of just the idea of a book, which maybe wouldn't be the, the first idea you would have looking at Wrestling Arcade of how can we take this, this video-based component into a book, which... The way you guys have laid it out, it sounds like a really cool idea. When I was a younger kid, I would really be uh -huh. obsessed with like intent. Hey, Stop I think he's back. back but... Oh, mate, what's happening over here? <laughs> Sorry, uh, uh, you're back, Rob. Rob, you could just finish your thought right there. Yeah, uh, my thought really quick is when I was a younger uh, youngster, I was really into eight bit, sixteen bit video gaming, and I would get like Game Informer or Electronic Gaming Monthly. And even like the old Nintendo Powers, what I liked is they would show like the entire stages of each game and how they would play out. And I always thought that was the coolest thing just to kind of look at what I'm playing on the on the television. And it's all just laid out in these magazines and books. And when Brendan had told me initially about the idea, I'm like, oh, my gosh. So like, OK, he does the full motion videos. But just the idea of having something physical that I could put in front of me that will detail all these little intricate details of all these major moments in wrestling. And, and again, the, the depth and breadth of it also really intrigued me where we're just, we're, we're tackling everything. And uh, I'm a lot of things, but probably one of the largest is like a huge wrestling nerd. I love random obscure wrestling tidbits and, and, and all of that stuff and learning about it. And if I could help come up with unique, obscure moments with Brendan and then we could put them into the book, and then I could then write about that. And, and folks not only could have a, a tinge of nostalgia, but they could learn as well. And I, yeah. I just love the idea of a physical book because everything is digital. Everything is easily uh, spread one to the next with, with, with each other these days with technology, and I think that's awesome. But the idea of an actual physical book uh, and, and utilizing his talents and just being able to write up all these things, it, it just, it's like a perfect combination in my opinion. When choosing some of these moments uh, for both of you guys, um, you know, was was did you have a certain audience in mind? Because I asked because, you know, Wrestling Arcade seems to really cater towards a real niche, I would say, demographic of wrestling fans, perhaps of a certain age who feel so maybe so fondly about that era of video gaming. But also you venture into like some the depths of like wrestling history, going to Japan, going to, you know, yeah. obviously uh, North American wrestling history as well. So talk a bit, maybe a bit about how you choose some of these moments. Um, I think it's just it's just what I get a kick out of, and what and what I think would be interesting to actually animate. Like sometimes I'm getting bored of animating a ring, so I'll be like, okay, uh, I'll do a graveyard, and then I'll be like, okay, like what's some things in the graveyard? So I'll start researching the graveyard. It's just about like it started off just me wanting to create things and and illustrate things. So you know, like people jumping off bridges, like Anita or exploding barbed wire cage match because I want to I want to be able to edit an explosion and see how that works so I'm actually learning while I'm doing it as well because I'm self-taught so it was sort of um yeah it's just been like what I'm into um and I've sort of started um sort of catering towards uh like the newer fans um the younger guys but like they, I don't know if they get it because 
he'll be like, well, this, this this doesn't really look like this person. And I'm like, well, I know, but it didn't when I was a kid playing the games, like Raw and Royal Rumble and all that. I didn't care if it looked like the person. It looked it looked close enough. But yeah, it's just about what I what I fancy doing. And sometimes it's really hard because like you could have the greatest moments in wrestling wrestling history in front of you. But I don't fancy actually doing any of them. Do you know what I mean? Because I have to spend so long on them. So that's why it looks quite random. But I think that's quite, that gives it its charm. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. And what about so, in particular to the book itself? How do you choose some of these? Well, that'll be, yeah, that'll be, so me and Rob will get, are getting together. And that's just sort of the uh, the bigger moments that everyone uh, remembers, as well as trying to cover territories each decade, Mexico, Japan, Europe, England, Germany, um, and just sort of cater for everyone, really, um, and um, just just go on a, a different slant. Because we've got Abdullah the Butcher gets electrocuted there. We've also got, you know, like Jerry Lawler, Austin Idol, hair versus hair. So we've got a bit from everything, really. We've got a bit of world class. Um, Loki hitting the corner tree of Low Stomp on Kenta. We've got ROH, the CZW cage of death. So it's a, it's a big mixed bag. Um, because like Rob knows a lot more about say like the newer stuff and independent wrestling, um, as well as obviously the eighties and territory. So yeah, together we've got a, a vast bit of knowledge really. To jump in real, real quick too, uh, something that I love about what Wrestling Arcade Brendan does is he could have uh, Saito and Patera throwing a boulder through the window <laughs> yes. of McDonald's, and he'll be like <laughs> super superhuman doing a, a tumble set into some barbed wire. So he gets the nostalgia he gets what's fresh now it's that air of unpredictability that i want to bring to the book also where you know you might not know about 1980s memphis or 1986 continental or you know 1978 florida or enoki or baba or any of this stuff but frontier martial arts has such a vivid history but in, in talking to brendan like where are some vivid color or or facial expressions or animations or all these things really come into play and it's really made the selection process very very fun i feel it's something oh, that we've had a good time. Yeah, and it's it's something that like kind of going through the description on on the Kickstarter. It's like you know wrestling is such a fascinating history that you can dive into, but it's also like the delivery method to a lot of audiences that, as you said, may not be familiar with this. I think sometimes the distribution method sometimes gets overlooked too. That you know not every fan is going to sit down and read a three hundred page book, but in, in this kind yeah. of presentation, it's a very interesting way of how to uh, go into you know wrestling's endless history from territory to territory yeah. definitely and it's just like great illustrations and the funny and it has the nostalgia and the colorful that's the thing it's like it's really colorful wrestling is so colorful that's that's why i got into it when i was eight years old you know and, and i want to put a bit of that into it um but yeah it's it's just so fascinating to me and it's just i can't believe no one's done it before basically i know there's that comic book that's out there which is great actually i, I had a look on amazon just when we were thinking about the book but it's, yeah, it's just such a vivid, colorful history. I love it. Rob, when it comes to what you're watching these days, what would be the split between older stuff versus current stuff? Uh, does it lean one way or the other? What's kind of your, your typical average uh, week of wrestling intake? Check this out. So I recently had a, a change in my life. I, uh, I got rid of every streaming content available. And I am going back to DVDs. Wow. It's <laughs> a real thing. So <laughs> I, I have a friend who really had all these comp DVDs, and uh, people will probably know who I'm talking to just by describing them. But he had like a 38-disc Eddie Guerrero comp. There was like a 
12 disc Buddy Rose, like 40 disc Vader. And, you know, I took a lot of them down to developmental, like physical discs. Yeah. And, uh, and some would watch them and some wouldn't, and that's fine. But Barry Windham, Terry Gordy, Dick Murdoch, Buzz Sawyer, the Fantastics, I could go on and on. And, and I love streaming content. I think it's amazing. And I'll, I'll surely will resubscribe to all the wonderful things out there. And New Japan I still have because let's face it, it's G1. However, what I'm saying is I now have – I've literally purchased recently like $150 worth of DVDs wow. from a friend because I enjoy just sitting back and looking mm. at a compilation DVD of a bunch of random stuff. And there's not many people that will even sell a DVD these days, but I found at least a couple, and I'm just uh, enjoying it, and I'm not adverse to trades. Uh, it's completely backwards, and I understand this, but – it's just kind of where I'm at right now. It could change next month. I don't know. But as of now, it's just funny you asked me that. I literally have uh, some compilations coming to me from the uh, mid-2000s and 80s and, and 90s. And uh, I just uh, – I appreciate the condensed form and the old way of uh, of watching wrestling. It's a cool shift because I think that you know if, if you're old enough to remember the process of ordering a tape, to me, like part of the fun was – I had to wait four weeks and, you know, you'd come home yeah, from man. school and you check the mailbox and it was another day. And then finally there's the super J cup. You know what I mean? And I, th I think yeah. today you just, you take it for granted that a wrestling match happens. Forget waiting a week. I can see it within hours, if not live. I think like you look ahead at yeah. this week and you're going to get to see the G one live. You're going to get to see evolve live AEW's live. And I, I think that that's something that, you know, it wasn't all that long ago that this was a process that you really had to wait. And that tape meant everything when it finally arrived in the mailbox. I agree. Mate, I, I used to, yeah. Sorry to cut you off there, Rob. I used to live in Australia and like, I used to order videos off the internet in like, I don't know, like 2000. That's the first time I got to see ECW, CZW, XPW, all that stuff. And I used to have to wait five weeks for these videos to get to me. And all, all I knew about them was, like a list, a listing on this website. This guy used to sell them, and he just used to put like star ratings or whatever next to them. Not that I don't think it's anything to do with the observer. It's just what he thought. And he's like, oh, this is a great tape. This is a great tape. So I just was like, oh, I'll buy that then. And then I just remember like weeks and weeks and weeks waiting for these tapes, and it was just, it was just amazing. I still got a couple of them. Big Japan as think, well. Big Japan. I think standards have been raised. Like I'll, I'll throw this out to you guys. Uh, I would get a Phil Schneider comp in the late 90s off Death Valley Driver message board, and I knew immediately – and Phil's a friend, so he won't mind me saying this – but I knew it was going to take six months to get anything back. I knew that I was going to pay a good amount for this tape. I knew that a lot of the footage would be potentially grainy, third generation. But you got it, and you enjoyed it. Now it seems like a bit of anticipation is now gone given how uh, wrestling is consumed. Uh I feel like the idea of getting something and being excited to have it and enjoying it is a little bit lost. I think now it's like, okay, I'm going to watch everything all at once immediately and yeah. just complain about a lot of it. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. People can – different people have different personality types. I understand this. That's not the way I, I work. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not in my manual. Yeah. Well, it's not we, what I do, but, yeah. you know, I, I feel like the anticipation is uh, is very uh, a very fun and potentially lost aspect of wrestling in some circles. So uh, that's why the idea of a physical book, too, you know, you order the book, you're going to get it promptly, I'm sure, but you're going to wait for it to be done and finished. 
And then when you get it in the mail, it's, it's a physical book, you know what I mean? So I, yeah, I think man, we're bringing a little bit of well. anticipation back. Yeah, it's, it, I totally agree with that. It's it's the same, I think, struggles that you know maybe the music industry has seen, or or, or even yeah. uh, uh, the movie industry has seen, where everything ultimately with the convenience of digital. Uh, feels a lot more disposable so you know finding ways with which to i guess connect with physical media is being increasingly more important let's talk a little bit about the kickstarter and tell us maybe about how it's going so far what your goals are and what what uh, are some of the offers you have yeah so um we've been up for about nearly two weeks now so we're on about 30 percent funded um, I'm trying to get 50% funded um, by the middle, so by Sunday. It's going to be a bit of a push, but we're, we're, we're well, I'm positive it's going well. Um, and we've got we've got a lot still to go. We've got a lot of books, so we're giving away, obviously, signed books. We've got um, hardbacks, softbacks, digital PDFs. Um, I also do this thing where I can pixelate you or a moment from your life. And there's also uh, um, a reward where you can choose one of your favorite moments to go in the book. You have to pay for it, obviously, but <laughs> you can get you can get one in there. And we've sold seven of them, so that's pretty cool. So I'm really interested in what people have to say about their moments. I just didn't want to fill a whole book with it um, because, obviously, it could be anything. Um, so, like, personally, I'd put something in because I'm from Sheffield. I was at the show uh, Hulk Hogan's last WWF appearance in 93 before he left. Um, and he didn't come back until whatever was it 2002, so like that'd go in. Um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of similar things really. But um, the Kickstarter is going well. I'm really happy with it. It's just that I don't I don't want to um, spam everyone's Twitter feed. I'm still doing the animations, so people still enjoy what I put out. If they don't like the book, that's fine. But I'm just I'm just going on a massive push at the minute, trying to get it done. And Rob, have you started writing yet, or will that be a, a process that uh, is still to come when you'll sit down and start writing through all these entries? Yeah, I, I've, I've had some uh, some first drafts on a lot of the entries thus far that I've spoken to with uh, Brandon, and it's it's an incomplete process right now. But uh, obviously, I could do a lot of that writing in my sleep. So it, yeah. for me, it's so less. Uh, Brandon's got the tough job. I, I just have to kind of verbal or put into print uh, what people are going to be seeing. Uh, and, and it's been very enjoyable. And again, everyone that's uh, contributed to the Kickstarter, thank you so much. And yeah, man. You know, all, all I could say is if you've ever enjoyed anything I've written, uh, if you've enjoyed Brendan's work, just even if you can't contribute, if, if you just want to share or get the word out about the project, you know, we, we really want to pull this off and get it done. Uh, and again, we do appreciate everybody so far. And I have had a lot of really nice messages and you know, I've had friends of mine in wrestling. Like, I know Sasha Banks most famously just retweeted us the other day and, and she thought it was super cool idea. So, you know, I really appreciate both my friends I've worked with in wrestling and, and just friends of mine uh, in general for really helping me out and giving me a little pat on the back on this thing. Because, again, it's it's a really great idea, and I'm just really uh, thrilled that Brendan even came to me with uh, the chance to, to write. write these <laughs> no, you, you guys are uh, like fantastic team together. Like Rob is like the perfect guy to be writing for this. If you've seen his work for Fighting Spirit magazine, just uh, I, I expect this is going to be a really awesome finished project. And uh, Brendan, can you direct our listeners and viewers uh, where, where they can go find this on Kickstarter so they can contribute if they so choose? Yeah, so I'm on all the social media at Wrestling Arcade and then the link's right at the top. Um, it's a huge link for Kickstarter. So if you just go to any of the social media profiles at Wrestling Arcade 
all the links are on there, or you can just go bit.ly forward slash wrestling arcade book. Um, that's that's the easiest way. And also wrestlingarcade.com as well. So it's easy to find. Um, so as Rob said, yeah, we appreciate everyone's contribution so far. We have got a long way to go. And uh, if people want to see this book and read this history, um, help us out and share and, and do your thing. And uh, we, we both really appreciate it. Well, we appreciate you guys uh, taking some time out to chat with us. Uh, we'd love to have both of you back on. I think, uh, Rob, we could go we could go down the rabbit hole together on a on a on a future show. So, uh, it's great to have both of you on. All the best of success with uh, the Kickstarter, and yeah, we'd love to have you guys back uh, once the project is uh, further in motion. Oh, thank, thank you, you so much. I'm massive fan. Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. Have a great rest of the day. And the update: Twitter is still down. <laughs> enjoy 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 the, the sanity <laughs> see you guys all right that was great uh brandon doherty and rob naylor yeah just an update uh the kickstarter lasts until july 30th so they have to reach their goal until july 30th otherwise this project might not actually take place so if you enjoy what uh what what uh wrestling arcade has been providing do check it out uh wrestlingarcade.com yes uh go check that out uh momentarily we're going to be joined by MLW CEO uh, Court Bauer, they had a very big weekend uh, coming off their Kings of Coliseum card, which was a live show on BN Sports. And then after we chat with Court, we are going to be going through the weekend's action. But the man himself is uh, on route soon to, be to joining on. us yeah. here on the Cafe Hangout, as uh, I spoke too soon. <laughs> but uh, we'll go over some of the lineups for this weekend. AEW has added several matches to their Fight for the Fallen card that is going down on Saturday night. That goes head-to-head with Evolve. And then, of course, we have a pair of G1 shows, Extreme Rules, Uriah Faber's out of retirement way. Oh, Big huge. news in Sacramento, California against Ricky Simone. Bellator has a card with Canadian Julia Budd defending her featherweight title. And all of that. I mean, it's an interesting topic with, uh, with Rob about just how easily accessible so much wrestling is now and, yeah. and this weekend is kind of the the exclamation point on that accessibility i guess if he's gonna wait for vhs or dvd of all these weekend events maybe it, he'll he'll be able to watch them all a little bit more and paced out in the midst of, of everything saturday nights at 9 p.m on bn sports you have Ooh. mlw fusion and this past weekend they were live from cicero stadium uh, a big announcement coming out of that show regarding their return to Cicero Stadium in November. And we speak now with the man calling the shots, MLW CEO, Court Bauer, a man who I once spent uh, every week chatting with. He has moved upwards and onwards, but here he is slumming it with us here on the Cafe Hangout. Court Bauer, how are you? Hey, guys, how's it going? You guys making lattes over here? Well, you know what? The biggest news is that Twitter has been down for the last half hour. Are you aware of this phenomenon, and are you coping with it? Yes, I got a frantic text from Alex Greenfield. He's uh, <laughs> he's managing MLW through these uh, difficult times. But, uh, yeah, I guess we got the whale fail. Imagine that. You have to pick up a now. phone and talk to people now. It's like there goes – this would be an, uh, an incredible episode of Black Mirror. No Twitter. For a week. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it'd be actually probably the best thing for humanity to have no Twitter for a week. But, uh, yeah, it's it's you look at Twitter in general and how much it's done for pro wrestling and how it's undone some people in pro wrestling. I guess yeah. it can go either way. Are we kind of like, you know, getting to a point where um, we're having to kind of self-police in terms of maybe, I don't know, what's deemed too negative at times, Court? Are you finding that right now? Yeah, I mean, I I think it's just 
you have this very hyper reactive world right now and everyone's empowered by uh, social media. And so, you know, you can like, I even feel kind of bad, like shitting on a movie. If I you know, Hey, I saw Shazam. Let me give you my thoughts. Yeah. You know what? Maybe I'll just, uh, just keep that to myself. It just, I kind of like feel bad for, if someone saw that, that was involved with the movie and all of a sudden, uh, you know, it was like uh, bummed out by it. Cause you know, it's just, you're putting it all out there very raw and then letting the world have at it. And, uh, you know, there's real people on the other side of, of, of those, uh, Twitter handles and hashtags sometimes. So it's like, yeah, it's, a, it's, I think it's, it, you gotta remember, you know, there's a lot of people out there that can be, you know, really stung by this stuff, not to get all sensitive as a promoter here, but you know, it, it, it people forget how real social media is, you know, you don't think about the, the consequences of that transaction when you hit send or tweet that thing. But a lot of people out there that can get, you know, stung by that. Well, well that's one place to start because th- this happened recently. I mean, uh, someone that you work with that is a lightning rod on Twitter is Jim Cornette. And I think everyone knows what comes with Jim Cornette. He is arguably the top commentator, I think, this year right now with, with his work that you have seen on Fusion, uh, but also someone that brings about, you know, a lot of backlash from people. And I'm curious kind of what what place you found yourself in recently with the Sunny Kiss comments that, I mean, is that something that is that addressed? I mean, can you tell us a bit about a situation like that where, you know, with a Jim Cornette that whether it's going to be a comment like that or something related, that is the possibility when you're working with this individual. Yeah, Jim, uh, you know, I've known Jim dating back to 1999 or 1998. And I think he was at the WWE at that time. And uh, I was there when he was running OVW and, uh, you know, he's certainly, like you said, kind of a, a lightning rod. And uh, it's, it's, I've seen it, you know, when his podcast was with us on MLW Radio right. uh, Network, she plugged, uh, you know, <laughs> there was one incident where we both got death threats. And it's very real. And it's like, it's not to me like the same as, uh, you know, back in the day in wrestling, getting a death threat, if, you know, it was pretty crazy. So, um, you know, Jim, there's only one Jim Cornette out there. And, uh, the, the genius side of Jim is you can't, I mean, like you said, I mean, the talent is exceptional. Uh, and he also has a no filter, uh, you know, activated on everything he does. So, you know, there's times when I, I uh, am like, you know, kind of surprised and have, you know, we, we've talked and stuff and trying to get to the bottom of what, what's going on. And, uh, you know, it's, you see that, you think that's kind of like the job as a promoter. It's kind of like assess the situation, go to the people that are in the middle of the eye of the storm, get some understanding, get some context. And, and then, you know, case by case, kind of take it from there. You know, it's, you can't make a blanket, blanket statement and, and then just apply it to everyone. You, you know, for us, you know, we have our, our policies, we have our approach, uh, but these are all real people and you have to talk to them and also understand the other side. They're real people too. Does he have uh, dates upcoming? What, what is the broadcast situation like for the summer with, with Tony Schiavone? More, more, more in yep. the mix right now. What, what's kind of the uh, broadcast situation moving forward? 
Well, we are. We have like several brought, you know, for a lot of reasons because our guys are so busy. Like Matt Stryker is on our team, Rich Bocchini, uh, of course, um, Tony Schiavone. And, and so Tony's up next. We really wanted to get Tony into the rotation because he hasn't been around and present in 2019. So that was critical to me to get him back in there. So we are going to have him with us uh, doing the New York chapter of our, our tapings. And uh, uh, after that, you know, we're, we're looking at uh, the next assignment in Dallas. And it's a lot of it has to do with scheduling. You know, our, our, our commitment with Jim, uh, we're X amount of dates. And the last one at, this point in time was Dallas. I'm sorry, not Dallas, uh, Chicago, right. Uh, July 6th. Uh, so will there be more dates? What's going on next? You know, just stay tuned. Um, but, uh, you know, Jim as a agent slash on air talent is, is one of the best. Now coming out of this past weekend, uh, you guys had a very successful show at Cicero stadium and announced your first pay-per-view that is going to be going down on November the 2nd. Uh, my number one question is how, how much are you hoping that Conor McGregor takes his sweet time coming back to the octagon? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. Cause yeah, UFC has a show that night at the garden. Um, I don't know now more than ever there. I think wrestling fans are really into wrestling and that crossover that you saw like 2007, 2010, I think it's less and less now than it was um, because I think wrestling changed. You know what, what fans were looking for and they, they think they went to the UFC to, to, to seek it out. I think there's less of those fans because there's so much different stuff, cool stuff, totally different versions of wrestling out there that you can access and get involved in. Uh, than there was, you know, ten years ago. So does a Conor McGregor fight, uh, if it theoretically hurt us, or does it matter as much? It probably takes it gives you a little ding, but I don't think it's like it would have been if, say, Brock Lesnar was was fighting in the UFC in 2019, which uh, doesn't seem to be the case. Is it uh, getting a, a bit more challenging to find those open slots now, Court, especially with uh, the landscape being as crowded as it is? On pay-per-view? Yes. No, I, it's, it's you know, boxing's gone to the zone, and, and either WWE's not there, and uh, UFC's on ESPN, and that's a totally different play, and their numbers are down. Uh, I guess I mean I pay-per-view as well. This. No, it's global, you know, and I mean, you're going to go up against something, and yeah. you do you do business on demand. Um, you know, I don't see that. Again, it's like in general in wrestling. Look how much wrestling's out there. Does it, does it hurt or help? I think if there's if the if, if if you have enthusiasm for something, it's it's going to expand interest and the appetite and the talk and the buzz. So you want to encourage. For me, I want more competition. I don't want less. I've seen less. It's scorched earth. It's feast or famine. You get less talent, less fans, less coverage. It 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 it, it, trick, it, it goes across the board. And I don't you know that that like people say, are you spooked by AEW? It's like I want them to be successful. I told everyone I want them to be successful. I tell people behind closed doors I want them to be successful because you need to show sponsors, TV people, licensing people, uh, investors, whoever you're, 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 you're dealing with on a business level, that non-WWE uh, programming properties, wrestling leagues are viable because the narrative for 20 years is only WWE can do it. Hell, the narrative that he's been trying to force for 40 years is he is the end all in this space. And, and that's what we, we kind of try to force the other discussion to happen is no, there's viable products across the board. 
a lot of appetite across the board. And it's not just for WWE. In fact, people are running to the other side of the ship. What's one of the key decision-making, you know, moments for you, Court, when you feel that this is the right time to try out pay-per-view? You guys have had a lot of successful live events. Um, There was a a really interesting study this week by uh, Lavi Margolin, who we've had on the show. And just looking at the attendance figures that you guys have put up this year, I mean, you guys are putting up like very strong numbers at the different markets and have seemed to have have found the, the, the special formula that is connecting with people. Yeah, I, I think that's the convergence of, you know, where we're going to be creatively, where we're going to be uh, business-wise, and also what the opportunity was with pay-per-view, because boxing has pretty much moved off of that. Um, soccer's doing a lot of pay-per-view. They're doing very well. UFC's not on there. Um, the fact that I could get guaranteed a Saturday night locked in, I can't be bumped to the second tier in demand channel or something like that, that which you would be at Jeopardy uh, a year ago, two years ago. That happened. Uh, that that was part of it. The sheer exposure, the amount of uh, marketing dollars I'm going to get from pay-per-view just to make the world aware of Major League Wrestling is worth it alone, even if I do one buy. Um, and just in terms of building ten pulse, you know, for us creatively, hitting we need something to kind of elevate and go from live programming being our ten pole to now something on an even grander stage, and pay-per-view is that next step. I think it's an important benchmark for a company, a wrestling company. It's kind of like you've arrived at a a certain level. It's the next phase for our company. This year has been defined as we want to move into the live programming space um, for a lot of reasons. You know, live programming away from pay-per-view needs better media rights fees. Uh, And also just, I think, for the fans, there's just a a sense of urgency. It feels very live. Uh, And... That means just another opportunity for Alex Greenfield to take a bump on live TV. So all these are reasons we look at and figure into why we do what we do. Yeah, it's uh, Alex Greenfield. He's going to need like the services of uh, Doctor Ariel after some of these stunts I've been I've been watching him him go through. I'm ama- I'm amazed Alex Greenfield's still standing after the last few weeks. Contra Unit has not been kind to the man, uh, nor has uh, <laughs> uh, half the roster. It seems. No, nor should they. He gets a lot of heat everywhere he goes. Uh, yeah. It was actually on the run sheet for uh, Chicago. No bumps for Alex Greenfield. Uh, you know, I, I had to make sure we had to put him in a cage to keep him from running out there to save the day. Um, you know, this guy is all of a sudden signing autographs, starting podcasts. Uh, it's it's ridiculous what he's got going on right now. But uh, no, it's really crazy when you look backstage. And there were, I was sitting in Gorilla and I was looking around. I was like, this is kind of like the weirdest spinoff for MLW Radio Network we could have done because then. Here you got Conan sitting next to you. You have MSL back there. You have Matt Farmer back there. You have Conan, Jim Cornette, who was a part of the original version of MLW Radio. So it's like, you have me. And I'm probably forgetting two or three people, but it's like, wow, this is, you know, I don't know if it's just at that time we were just all friends and this is who you, how it worked, but it was just really interesting to see uh, how it, MLW Radio kind of became the, the launch pad in a lot of ways for this. And even the, the big bang for the idea to do one show. Uh, let alone a whole fully functional operation uh, was, 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 it's pretty wild. Uh, and the fact that everyone gets along is even more crazy to me than probably any of the above we just talked about. It, it's such a, I, I know this has been brought up to you in, in other interviews as well, just like such a, such an interesting mix of so many personalities uh, within this industry that, uh, you know, that, 
their reputations precede them. But it seems that, as you mentioned, like you, you guys have a, a locker room vibe that seems to be, you know, kind of like everyone's on the same page. They understand this. Does that make it more difficult for you when it comes to making decisions on who to bring in uh, because you don't want to disrupt that flow? Or is it something that, you know, you've, you've taken a lot of parts that on their surface, this person might not fit here, but you've been able to be able to, you know, lead this team. And it, it seems like you are getting the best out of performers that have a chip on their shoulder or something to prove that this is where they're getting to showcase the, those talents underneath, you know, reputations that may have preceded them prior. Yeah. For some of them, I, I have known them for like you know 15 years. And so you kind of get to know them and know how they're wired and understand where they're coming from. And, you know, some as a friend or somebody you've worked with, you, you got to know how to you know approach them on, on every level because you're going to know them a little bit more. So when it comes to certain guys, whether it's Teddy Hart or Loki or uh, Conan, it, it, it's it's certainly uh, it's been honestly easy because it's just like it just it's, it's just easy. But at the same time, yeah, you look at each, each of these guys, or if there's someone you're looking to bring in, it's like how's this going to work in the system? Does it work? Um, and then you have a conversation. If there's an issue with another party in the company, you talk to that party, you talk to everyone, make sure everyone's comfortable, and you give it a whirl. And, uh, you know, we kind of have, I guess, you know, maybe it's the old, um, it's kind of reminds me of Bill Belichick, though. He, he's always brought in some interesting people and into a system, and it's worked out more or less for the better. Um, and you just don't know until you kind of put it in motion. You know, I have a pretty good record, but you're never going to bat a thousand. Uh, Speaking about this past weekend with the uh, the Kings of Coliseum card, it uh, culminated in Jacob Batu winning the MLW title. Can you take us back to your earliest impressions of Jacob Fatu and when you saw what you do see in Jacob Fatu that now a lot of people are seeing? Well, I've known Jacob for a while, and uh, he's always been an extraordinary talent. In fact, he actually started in MLW last well, spring of 2018. He came in and attacked MVP. And uh, just scheduling wise, we couldn't continue with him. Uh, but I've always wanted to bring him back in, in, a, in a major way. And what people probably don't realize is Contra, the Dynasty, guys like Alex Hammerstone, Richard Holiday, um, all these, there's a lot of guys that kind of came into the fold around February, March. None of those guys probably would have come into the fold if I had closed that deal with Rush. Hmm. But it's kind of like sports, where it's like if you, you could sign one major player or sign all these interesting prospects. And, and and take it in a different direction. So that's what I did. And I'm so happy. I think it was just a blessing for all, and it worked out pretty good for us uh, because it kind of repopulated my, my, my card and kept things really fresh going into, hell, most of the year. And none of that happens if things just did, it go another way. None of it happens for a lot of reasons, payroll, budget reasons, um, just you know what we were able to do. And then you, you're backed into a corner. What do you do? And I've been wanting to pull the trigger on something like Contra for a while. And uh, we did a drive run in Philly, and we pulled the trigger in, in Chicago in March. Uh, and Fatu's just a freak. He's just a freak, and he's unbelievable. And I working side by side with guys like his uncle, uh, Umaga Fatu, and building that character, designing that with him. Um, there's a lot of similarities, but also I'd say. Fatu is on a different, Jacob Fatu is on a totally different level of athleticism than 
a lot of people I've seen in the business, you know, he's almost 300 pounds and he's doing springboard spots into moonsaults. And he's doing, he did a spot or this past weekend where uh, Tom tries to DDT him. He pops out or before his head hits the mat and does a nip up and then goes and does, I think a super kick or another high spot. And it's like, guy that size doing that's insane let alone a guy any size doing that it's, 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 he's, he's just incredible it seems that one of the you know keys that that i can see uh, among companies right now you know AEW would fall into this and i think it's it's something that that you guys strive for is to make each show feel like an event like it is something that we are building to there are not throwaways here um you know AEW is going to have that issue once they go to a weekly format of trying right. to Keep that specialness. As you're looking at this, you're seeing, you know, 2,000 people at Cicero Stadium. I'm sure there's that pressure to increase the amount of shows. How do you kind of kind of weigh that versus the number of shows you're running versus the, the demand? And is that something uh, that, that you battle with of like, what, what is our schedule going to be 2020 and beyond? No, I, I'm pretty, pretty rigid with that. I mean, I think for me, it's, it's important to, you know, you have to justify the expansion and, and keep the risk as low as possible. So pay-per-view makes sense. Um, you know, if that works and it's viable, that's probably the, the expansion of our dates. Uh, and then, you know, it kind of based for me, it would be kind of the next move would be, I wouldn't do house shows because they're typically for most companies, not profitable. And if there, there's a big burn on the operation just to run the logistics on. So unless I got some sort of, know ridiculous deal in terms of media rights or something to expand and do more um i'm very happy just you know staying the course i think the biggest temptation a promoter has is to be overly ambitious and then you start to get unrealistic with things and you don't want to just stack you don't want to impact your adversely impact your growth but you also got to manage it and sometimes down those things is, is is the hardest thing to do in my position and you have to say no is okay and, and people forget that how did you arrive at the uh, price point for the show, Court, of uh, 1995? Um, just based on research for the most part and also seeing how you know, AAA did in 2015 at a similar price point. Uh, they did freakishly, insanely good at that price point. So, uh, yes, it's four years later, but I think you know, my product's always been built around value. Our cheapest ticket is often in a, in a market $10 for GA. Uh, you know, some markets maybe 15 to 20, but for me to compete in a very competitive space, I have to find ways to do that. And I, my thing's a value play. Uh, also uh, this past week, I I'm kind of curious, like the amount of involvement or interactions you had over the years with, with Paco Alonso. Was that someone that, that you got to know at any level, do any business with? Because those I've spoken with, it's like this, this was a very guarded individual. Yeah, no, I mean, just, you know, indirectly with my deal with Rush was mm -hmm. probably the closest, and I didn't speak to him, but we were, like, in real time talking through Rush, and Rush would be in his office, and I'd say that was probably as, I mean, I didn't hear him talk, and I didn't, you know, we weren't trading emails, but we were, you know, we had that kind of in-between thing happening, and that was it, and I found in that experience, uh, he, he was a very pragmatic guy. Um, he had immense loyalty to his top stars. He knew who his top stars were. Um, and he was a very much a throwback promoter, you know, and he knew how to keep them happy, but also have something, you know, in terms of leverage always on them. 
he was very fond of New Japan, and whenever they would come to town, he would, I mean, the, he would roll out the red carpet, you know, only the best for them. He really treasured that relationship. Um, and that's about all I know and have heard of him, and, uh, about him, and other than, you know, you hear what Conan's experiences were early on, and Conan's probably the closest person I know that worked with him uh, and had a lot of complications in the aftermath of the jump in 91 or so. So yeah, all interesting, but uh, a guy that like that, uh, clearly when you look at him, very stable, didn't do anything wildly and amb overly ambitious. You know, he had a very stable business. He, he nurtured that business and he could endure the highs and lows and the volatility because he had a stable infrastructure. And that's, that's, that's a big part of promoting. Yeah. You want to take the risk, but Stability, while not sexy, keeps the lights on. Uh, since we last uh, spoke with you as well on the show, you guys have made the move to to Saturday nights. Uh, you know, given, given the sample size you've had, moving to Saturday nights, what's been uh, right. kind of kind of the thought process and reaction just to moving to Saturday nights? And I, I think also working well with like the live special on Saturday, not sending people to a different night. What's been the the early opinion of the new night? Um, well, you know, with, with ES, I'm sorry, with Fox, uh, bringing on WWE in the fall, you know, I knew we had to move somewhere at some point. Uh, and for me, I didn't want to be live because we we're going to, we were going to go live and wanted to continue to go live. Didn't want to be on the week during the week. It's just very difficult. Um, we had done very well on Friday night, so it wasn't an easy move. When we went on there, they had bundled us with, uh, their Vander Holyfield and Roy Jones Jr. boxing at the time, along with their MMA block. And the hope was that we would inherit some of the audience and they'd be able to package us as a, I think it was called Friday Night Fury. And what they found was we didn't, you know, instead of benefiting from that, we actually eclipsed how they were performing, became often the top rated show for the whole day. They do a lot of stuff during the day, you know, their, their, their programming, they had WTA tennis and soccer, you know, they had some real good stuff, uh, motocross. We, we were winning the day, not just the night. So we became quickly the stars of Friday night. And so when I said, hey, can we move to Saturday? Uh, they were, they were, they've been very supportive and they were 100% on board. And for us strategically, uh, it was such a better night because running Thursdays is hard just in terms of getting a crowd to come out box office wise. Yes, all the arenas are available, but it just was very difficult. Uh, Saturday nights we saw that. I think that's a big part of, yeah, I think people like what we're doing, putting out there right now. And more people are seeing the product now than ever. But uh, I think getting out there on a Saturday night makes a huge difference over Friday or Thursday or Friday night. And then moving around, just finding our markets. You know, we found New York's a really good market for us. Chicago's a really good market for us. Dallas is going to be a big market for us in September. We've already, we're going to probably sell out weeks in advance. And that sounds probably presumptuous, but I'm just looking at how it's tracking. I'd be surprised if it doesn't. Uh, final thing here, here before we let you go, I think that, you know, fusion is certainly, I think for those that are following it, like I, I seldom hear anyone complain. Like this is one of the fun shows to watch each week. It's logical week to week. And for some people that don't have be in sports, they follow it on YouTube. Would you ever, I mean, given a hypothetical deal on the table ever enter something where it would not be accessible on YouTube. How important is that uh, for those that don't have be in sports for, for to follow the product? Uh, we did a, we did a survey and we found that YouTube is a massive uh, mover for us. And when we, I think that also once we, we, we put stuff on YouTube, we saw a big surge in awareness and ticket sales and t-shirt sales and everything. Uh, 
I have no plans to do away with streaming the show now, but I move off of YouTube to another platform that's just as easily accessible or thereabouts. Absolutely. Uh, the monetization issues that we have had with YouTube are insane. Yeah. Uh, I know they have strategic partners that kind of, they kind of uh, diminish the revenue in a way to, to, to make it problematic for, for competition. But uh, for me right now, uh, YouTube is, is the best solution. Uh, we have, we have ongoing talks with other people all the time. Uh, but right now, specifically one, one company that maybe we do something with, but you know, monetary financially would have to really make sense for us to move over to that. Uh, so we'll see, but you know, I really want, I like first of all, offering the show for free every week and giving people free product. Um, someone have, with their mouse, it sounds like someone just punched something. That was Alex Greenfield doing a run-in. Wow. Yeah, was, well, it would be a much bigger bump, very dramatic, and then he put himself over after. So that's <laughs> the only difference. Um, but yeah, you know, that's that's it when it comes to streaming. You know, it, I, there's always going to be something there, and I'm never just going to shut it off. It's just it has to make sense, and I don't want people to have to. I don't want a scenario where people have to pay dollar X for each week of show because then you're putting up a paywall, and I really want to limit that because again my play is a value play i don't want to ask too much too hard well court uh it's always great to catch up with you uh to carve out some of your your schedule for uh your old pals here uh so we greatly appreciate that uh never say never you guys are back uh coming up on july 25th at the melrose ballroom it's going to be headlined by jacob fatu in a rematch uh, with tom lawler as well jimmy havoc taking on la park and much more coming up at the Melrose Ballroom. You just announced uh, Bestia CCCs versus Ray Orus, which I got the yes. correct pronunciation for. So that is uh, the next show coming up. So I look forward to checking all of that out and chatting with you again in the future, Court. So thanks so much for stopping by, chatting with Way and I. Any and always, son. Anytime and always. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks, that was Court. Court Bauer, MLW CEO, joining us. And the update way is at Twitter. Is back. Is back. Everyone is uh, breathing a sigh of relief that it's alive. It's. I, I'm kind of disappointed that we were on the air while this national emergency occurred, and we could have maybe really enjoyed a Twitterless world well, for 45 minutes. You know, I'm really curious if if Twitter was down for like a full 24 hours, how that would affect things. I imagine it was it would be like a blackout. You know, you, you know what the worst part is going to be. Not the 45 minutes Twitter was down, but the 48 hours that I'm going to have to hear people talking about what Twitter was like down for 45 minutes and how everyone coped with no twitter for 45 minutes. how close are you to to deleting twitter dude if we were not doing our stuff i would have yeah. been gone two yesterdays ago i would be gone in a heartbeat i think maybe a good compromise is to schedule breaks from it you know i've actually i mean i i actually yesterday deleted twitter off of my phone to see if i could like strictly rely on it through a a, a, a desktop how's that gone not good because I needed it before the show. That's my concern. So, That's my concern is so that I have I'm to gonna, download I would, it. I would right get rid of it on, on my phone, and I there would be something I don't think of, and yeah. then all of a sudden I'm like, oh Christ, I I need it for something. I mean, it's we're very much attached to it, and that's not just us. It's lots of people that there's a dependency on it for work, um, and maybe that's an excuse some yeah. of us make, but also the realities that once you're used to something, uh, why are you going to disadvantage yourself when there's an easier way? 
there's a compromise, I'm sure. Uh, let's give some attention to the chat room here. I want to yes. say hi to uh, Anam Tersini, who uh, asked us if we're going to do a Far From Home review. We did a little mini review this week on uh, Rewind to SmackDown. Uh, as far as a full review goes, I think we might wait until we actually uh, talk about it as part of our MCU reviews. Um, and we also want to give a shout-out to Eric Marcotte, of course, who uh, did a great uh, write-up for us oh, on the website. Oh, he's back this Saturday night to review... Uriah Favor coming out of retirement from Sacramento. Eric is on the ball this Saturday. I, I needed the, I needed help, and he's there to. He's an excellent writer. Preserve. So thank you so much. MMA Eric. coverage. Uh, and I also want to give a shout out to Brandon D, who wants to know, John and Way, what are your thoughts on Taker and Reigns' new tag team name? Rest in peace. No. What are they calling it? The Graveyard Dogs. They no recently way. released a T-shirt, uh, and on the back, it is. Uh, a, a name that uh, seems to be somewhat official for this team, the Graveyard Dogs. I'm sorry, that's awful. That's really awful. It's pretty damn bad. Well, um, if anyone has any calls, we can uh, take them before the end of the show. We'll uh, take a quick peek at some of the shows going on this weekend. But if you want to dial in, one seven three two eight hundred four four two three, and you can Skype in to Post Wrestling. Uh, we'll take your calls before the end of the show. Yeah, that's right. Uh, what do we have coming up this weekend? All right, what do we not have coming up? That is probably the better question. Let's start off with uh, AEW's Fight for the Fallen card, which is happening from Jacksonville, Florida. And they put out the latest Road to Fight for the Fallen on Wednesday night. And this featured the announcement of the buy-in match between Peter Avalon and Sonny Kiss. They have also since announced uh, a slew of matches, including uh, the Dark Order versus Angelico and Jack Evans versus Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus in a three-way tag match to advance to All Out for an opportunity at a first-round bye in the AEW World Tag Team Championship Tournament. Gotcha. So these are the other teams that will be taking place, uh, theoretically, in that World Tag Team Title Tournament. Um, they have also announced individual matches for Dr. Britt Baker and B. Priestley, but have not announced opponents for either woman. Right. Okay, well, it's looking to be a pretty... Long card, actually. For there are now if, if the if they're both in separate matches, that's ten matches on the yeah. show. That's as much as Extreme Rules. Has. You know, for for what I think, you know, at at the time we all considered these to be somewhat like B level shows, maybe even pre pre uh, free show. Uh, this is a free show. Another one. Um, these are starting to be uh maybe much more substantial than than one slot. You know what the be- I think honestly, one of the best built up matches on this show has become Brandy Rhodes and Allie. Mm-hmm. I I loved. The Brandy Rhodes interview was so awesome last week. And this week, like you have Allie talking about her own insecurities that she has, but I have always showed up and I, oh, and it was so subtle. Like it wasn't a heel promo. It was just saying when I've been the most nervous, I've always come out and performed in the match. And it's just like a little subtle thing. And I, I, I think they've done like a really great job for a match that on paper probably didn't light anyone's world on fire, but the promos have done a great job of enhancing this match. I find it really interesting how they kind of pivoted the storyline in between the two weeks or the several weeks where I think for the longest time it was Brandy still playing very much that heel character. Uh, you know, if you watch Being the Elite, if you watch things like, uh, uh, you know, the Nightmare Channel content, it's been her kind of talking shit behind Allie about, uh, behind her back. Uh, ever since that promo came out, though, and I think she's been, you know, uh, received a great reaction for what essentially is like a very vulnerable baby face type of uh, showing. She's kind of pivoted to more of that type of character. Is that going to last? Will we see maybe, you know, um, that carry on into the on-screen character uh, in the match? It remains to be seen, but certainly I would say uh, in terms of interest, it's been heightened a lot more for this. 
So on the card, we've got uh, Kenny Omega versus Shima. Cody and Dustin Rhodes against the Young Bucks, which they... Uh, what did you think about how that was set up with the sit-down with Cody and Dustin on the, the Road 2 show? Yeah, always, always very solid. Hangman Page versus Kip Sabian. Uh, six-man tag, Jimmy Havoc, Darby Allin, and Joey Janela versus MJF, Sammy Guevara, and Sean Spears. Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky taking on the Lucha Brothers and then the pre-show matches that we just mentioned. Yeah, I have to say, you know, with this coming so so soon after uh, Fighter Fest, I feel like my interest in this is a little bit less, especially with the the wealth of competition uh, going up against this particular show this weekend. Uh, but nonetheless, it's, you know, another glimpse at, I think, the ever evolving AEW presentation. Uh, I think a lot of people will be questioning, you know, what this librarian stuff is going to look like on the pre-show. Are they going to go full on more comedy with everything? Or are they going to use it as an opportunity to continue to troll the audience into basically, you know, healing the librarians into, into a negative reaction. It remains to be seen. What do you think main events? I think the match that goes on last is going to be the tag match. I think so too. Dustin Rhodes, uh, and Cody Rhodes versus the Bucks. Yeah, so that is uh, one of many cards going on. Uh, there's also the Evolve 10th Anniversary card on Saturday night. And then we have two G1 shows coming up this weekend. And we'll just uh, quickly look at the two tournament, uh, the two match, the two shows of the tournament match portion. So B Block kicks off on Saturday morning, 5.30 a.m. Uh, from Odaward Gym in Tokyo. We have Shingo Takagi versus Juice Robinson, Tomohiro Ishii versus Jeff Cobb, Tatsuya Naito versus Toru Yano, Hiroki Goto versus Jay White, and John Moxley versus Taichi. And then the A Block goes down on Sunday from the same venue, Kazuchika Okada versus Zack Sabre Jr., Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kenta, Kota Ibushi, and his ankle taking on evil Sonata versus Will Ospreay and bad luck Fale versus Lance Archer. I I'm really interested to see uh, what, what some of these B block matches look like. I think they did a great job of building up uh, Ishii versus Cobb. Um, I have certainly a, a weird interest to see what John Moxley versus Tai Chi is going to look like, but you know, even something, something like a Shingo Takagi versus Drew Robinson definitely has my interest as well. Uh, the a block matches uh, on Sunday, I think you really can't go wrong with it, any combination of a lot of these guys. But in particular, look at Will Ospreay versus Sonata. That's going to be amazing. I think uh, Okada versus Sex Saber Jr., that's always interesting. And Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kenta. Like, what is a Kenta man going to look like? Um, is he going to kick the shit out of Hiroshi Tanahashi? Uh, it could could be very fascinating. So what what's kind of, as you go into the weekend, what's really, like, top of your list? It's the New Japan shows. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious to see what they do at, at Fight for the Fallen. I think it should be a good show, but I, I think, yeah, I think the G1 has everyone's uh, heightened interest, especially the kickoff of the B block. Yeah. I think there's, you know, they, yeah. they're coming off a really hot show. But there really is something for everybody. If you're not much of a New Japan fan, uh, maybe Extreme Rules is your jam. Uh, if Maybe it's Evolve. Maybe maybe it's... Uh, I think Evolve is going to be the sleeper show of the weekend. And maybe sure. not a sleeper show for many. I think that's going to be an awesome, awesome show. I'm really curious to see what type of presentation, uh, you know, WWE Network applies to this Evolve show. Uh, how much are they going to be in charge of the production? Um it, if it's a network showing, I imagine it to be probably a lot more slick than their usual offerings. Yeah. So on this end, uh, Way and I are going to be live on Saturday night following the Fight for the Fallen show. Uh, we'll be doing live format just like this for Double Double, Ice Cap, and Espresso patrons. 
Meanwhile, Braden Harrington and Davey Portman will have a post show after the Evolve card, and that will be up on the Up Next feed. So if you subscribe to Up Next, you will get that show late Saturday night. Probably up up on the uh, Up Next YouTube, or BDE official YouTube channel as well. So subscribe to that. So that is uh, happening. And then Wayne and I are back again Sunday night after Extreme Rules. And of course, it is the official kickoff of all of our G1 review shows we will be up saturday and sunday afternoon with shows those are exclusive to members of the post wrestling cafe so if you sign up postwrestlingcafe.com it's uh, six dollars a month and that will get you every g1 post show there will be one after each and every g1 card that's right and also one more quick shout out uh, on this weekend on the free feed cruel summer returns with wh park correct yes that will be on the free feed uh he is up now to 2003 and 2004 yeah that will be coming out saturday and sunday this weekend so busy busy weekend lots of great content to navigate through so we hope you can check it out and of course the easiest place to follow all of it is postwrestling.com we have our schedule up there as well if you're a cafe member enjoy 20 percent off for uh basically the entire duration of the g1 for the next month 20 percent off at store.postwrestling.com quick shout out for that all right okay i think we're going to uh shut things down so i want to thank all of our guests who joined us Brandon Doherty at Wrestling Arcade, along with Rob Naylor. You can go check out uh, their project. Uh, best place to go, at Wrestling Arcade. That will direct you into all the proper places. WrestlingArcade.com, too, seems to directly uh, redirect. Okay, perfect. WrestlingArcade.com. That would be the best place uh, to check out. As well as MLW CEO Court Bauer for stopping by. Appreciate that time as well. We will be back this weekend many, many, many times, uh, starting off Friday. New Rewind Away for patrons, where Way and I are reviewing Wrestle Kingdom 11 from January 4th, 2017, headlined by Kazuchika Okada and Kenny Omega. I didn't get this earlier, so now I get to the full oh, yeah. cafe hangout experience. I feel it. Let's just enjoy. Goodbye, everyone.